Thus, you can easily understand what and how much this commandment requires, namely, that man's entire heart and all his confidence be placed in God alone and in no one else. For to have God, you you can easily perceive, is not to lay hold of him with our hands, or to put him in a bag, or to lock him in a chest. But to apprehend him means when the heart lays hold of him and clings to him. But to cling to him with the heart is nothing else than to trust in him entirely. For this reason he wishes to turn us away from everything else that exists outside of him, and draw us to himself, namely, because he is the only eternal good. As though he would say, Whatever you have heretofore sought of the saints, or for whatever you have trusted in mammon or anything else, expect it all of me, and regard me as the one who will help you and pour out upon you richly all good things. Lo, here you have the meaning of the true honor and worship of God, which pleases God, and which he commands under penalty of eternal wrath, namely, that the heart know no other comfort or confidence than in him, and do not suffer itself to be torn from him, but for him risk and disregard everything upon earth. On the other hand, you can easily see and judge how the world practices only false worship and idolatry. For no people has ever been so reprobate as not to institute and observe some divine worship. Everyone has set up as his special God whatever he looked to for blessings, help, and comfort. Thus, for example, the heathen who put their trust in power and dominion elevated Jupiter as the supreme God. The others who were bent upon riches, happiness, or pleasure, and a life of ease, Hercules, Mercury, Venus, or others, women with child, Diana, or Lucina, and so on. Thus, everyone made that his God to which his heart was inclined, so that even in the mind of the heathen, to have a God means to trust and believe. But their error is this, that their trust is false and wrong, for it is not placed in the only God, besides whom there is truly no God in heaven or upon earth. Therefore the heathen really make their self-invented notions and dreams of God an idol, and put their trust in that which is altogether nothing. Thus it is with all idolatry, for it consists not merely in erecting an image and worshipping it, but rather in the heart, which stands gaping at something else and seeks help and consolation from creatures, saints, or devils, and neither cares for God nor looks to him for so much good as to believe that he is willing to help, neither believes that whatever good it experiences comes from God. Besides, there is also a false worship and extreme idolatry which we have hitherto practiced and is still prevalent in the world, upon which also all ecclesiastical orders are founded, and which concerns the conscience alone, that seeks in its own works help, consolation, and salvation, presumes to wrest heaven from God, and reckons how many bequests it has made, how often it has fasted, celebrated mass, etc. Upon such things it depends, and of them boasts, as though unwilling to receive anything from God as a gift, 
but desires itself to earn or merit it superabundantly, just as though he must serve us and were our debtor, and we his liege lords. What is this but reducing God to an idol, yea, an apple god, and elevating and regarding ourselves as God? But this is slightly too subtle and is not for young pupils. But let this be said to the simple, that they may well note and remember the meaning of this commandment, namely, that we are to trust in God alone and look to him and expect from him naught but good, as from one who gives us body, life, food, drink, nourishment, health, protection, peace, and all necessaries of both temporal and eternal things. He also preserves us from misfortune, and if any evil befall us, delivers and rescues us, so that it is God alone, as has been sufficiently said, from whom we, rec we receive all good, and by whom we are delivered from all evil. Hence also I think we Germans from ancient times call God, more elegantly and appropriately than any other language, by that name from the word good, as being an eternal fountain which gushes forth abundantly nothing but what is good, and from which flows forth all that is and is called good. For even though otherwise we experience much good from men, still whatever we receive by his command or arrangement is all received from God. For our parents and all rulers and everyone besides with respect to his neighbor have received from God the command that they should do us all manner of good, so that we receive these blessings not from them but through them, from God. For creatures are only the hands, channels, and means whereby God gives all things, as he gives to the mother breasts and milk to offer her child, and corn and all manner of produce from the earth for nourishment, none of which blessings could be produced by any creature of itself. Therefore, no man should presume to take or give anything except as God has commanded, in order that it may be acknowledged as God's gift, and thanks may be rendered him for it, as this commandment requires. On this account also, these means of receiving good gifts through creatures are not to be rejected. Neither should we in presumption seek other ways and means than God has commanded. For that would not be receiving from God, but seeking of ourselves. Let everyone then see to it that he esteem this commandment great and high above all things and do not regard it as a joke. Ask and examine your heart diligently and you will find whether it cleaves to God alone or not. If you have a heart that can expect of him nothing but what is good, especially in want and distress, and, and that, moreover, renounces and forsakes everything that is not God, then you have the only true God. If, on the contrary, it cleaves to anything else, of which it expects more good and help than of God, and does not take refuge in him, but in adversity flees from him, then you have an idol, another God. In order that it may be seen that God will not have this commandment thrown to the winds, but will most strictly enforce it, he has attached to it first a terrible threat, and then a beautiful comforting promise, which is also to be urged and impressed upon young people, 
that they may take it to heart and retain it. For I am the Lord thy God, strong and jealous, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Although these words relate to all the commandments, as we shall hereafter learn, yet they are joined to this chief commandment because it is of first importance that men have a right head. For where the head is right, the whole life must be right, and vice versa. Learn, therefore, from these words how angry God is with those who trust in anything but him, and again, how good and gracious he is to those who trust and believe in him alone with the whole heart, so that his anger does not cease until the fourth generation, while, on the other hand, his blessing and goodness extend to many thousands. Lest you live in such security and commit yourself to chance as men of brutal heart, who think that it makes no great difference. He is a God who will not leave it unavenged if men turn from him and will not cease to be angry until the fourth generation, even until they are utterly exterminated. Therefore he is to be feared and not to be despised.